Welcome to Education Beat. I'm Ann Vasquez, CEO of EdSource. Over the last two weeks, several cities in the Northeast, including New York, have been draped in the orange glow of wildfire smoke descending south from Canada. Flights were delayed, schools closed, and people hospitalized. It's a scene all too familiar in California. In 2020, California experienced one of its worst ever wildfire seasons. The Creek Fire and the August Complex devastated 100 million acres. Families fled their homes and schools became community centers. Three years later, many of the mostly rural communities are still suffering. And it does really impact the kids. Their mental well-being has been greatly affected. What needs to change to improve their circumstances? Here is this week's Education Beat. Filling in for host Sadie Stavely is Ashley A. Smith. In the mountains above Shaver Lake in the Sierra Nevada is the central California town of Big Creek. Located in eastern Fresno County, it's about an hour and a half away from any major shopping like a Target or Walmart. Big Creek has only 170 residents and just one school, Big Creek Elementary. In other words, the town is pretty rural. In 2020, the Creek Fire swept through Big Creek, destroying half of the community's homes. It was major devastation. In our district, we lost over 110 houses. That's Jimmy Eggers. At the time of the fire, he lived with his family north of Sacramento, where he worked as an administrator in the Markham, Illinois Union School District in Northern California. After the fire, Big Creek needed a new superintendent. Eggers was interested. I always wanted to be a part of a school district in the mountains. I'm from the valley. I lived 49 years in the valley and wanted to do something very different. The fire left Big Creek Elementary's playground, gym, cafeteria, and pool severely damaged. Countless school records were lost, and some homes owned by the school were also destroyed. Despite this, Eggers decided to take on the role of superintendent and moved his family from Northern California to the fire-devastated town. So I took on this challenge, and I can say this. Luckily, I had, when I stepped in here, I had 16 years of administrative experience. And I will tell you that it's a benefit that I did have those, because if you were a new administrator trying to do this, it would be virtually impossible. When Eggers arrived, he faced numerous challenges. What I was told where we were going to be through the process is not where we were when I showed up. For one thing, enrollment after the fire had plummeted. Our student population previously was above 50. We have dropped all the way down to 24. Uh, It's due to a lack of housing. Uh, The people up here love our school. We have a lot of people who want to come back, but there are no houses available for them to come back to to be a part of our school. Homelessness has become a major problem for the community. Some of the school's staff and many of its students remain homeless to this day. Even Eggers has had unstable housing. When he interviewed, he was told that he and his family would be moving into a newly rebuilt home. That was almost two and a half years ago. We're just getting ready to move in now. And today I was told that it'll take at least another one to two months before the house even has internet. And so when we moved up here, I lived in a trailer for four months. Then it was a forest service office, not a house, a forest service office for eight months. 
Then I was fortunate enough that the, the local people here with had one Airbnb. They let us rent it for five months, uh, but they still had a schedule they had to keep. So then we had to move out of town for the last seven months. And all this time, our house was supposed to have been finished. And it's just now finishing up now. This is Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools. I'm Ashley A. Smith. This week, the long and frustrating wildfire recovery for rural schools. Source reporter Carolyn Jones wrote about Big Creek's ongoing recovery, as well as the effect of the Slater fire in a town called Happy Camp. Hi, Carolyn. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Ashley. So it's been nearly three years since the Slater and Creek fires. What made you decide to check in on those schools and towns that were impacted by the wildfires? Well, we're heading back into fire season again, as you know, and I just started thinking, well, what happens to these towns? You know, where there's a lot of attention immediately after the fire to Paradise and some of these other communities that have just been devastated. But what happens the next year and the following year? And I just checked in because I know that those two towns had been particularly impacted. And I was really um, surprised to see that even after all this time, there's been very little rebuilding and these people are still really struggling, not just at the school, but in the whole community. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit more about uh, the trouble and, and the issues that you found there and what some of these schools are facing? The issue is, is, is actually it's multi-layered. I mean, there's fewer housing units because so many burned down and then you have more people looking for housing, which leads to kind of a spike in rental prices and home, home prices generally. And so even if you can find a place, you might not be able to afford it. And a lot of these places are so isolated. It's not like you can go to the neighboring town and try something there. So options are almost nil in some of these places, which leaves people with, you know, either living with another family or a lot of people are camping outside even in the winter. Um, And it puts the school in a really interesting position because the school is often the social agency in town just by default. Um, Teachers there would, you know, be connected to a lot of the families and be in a position, the school is in a position to help families and know what the specific needs are. So the school kind of becomes a hub for social services, such as they are in these places. And you mentioned camping, but, you know, what does homelessness actually look like in a rural town? There's usually no shelters. Like in in cities, you know, you might have a homeless shelter or a family shelter. Those typically don't exist in rural communities. What you might be more likely to see are families moving in with other families, family members. You know, you might have an aunt in town who has an extra couch or something. Um, or some families who are really desperate just can't, you know, they just camp out. They tend to move around a lot, maybe move to a different community. Here's Jimmy Eggers. The town and the school are so interconnected that uh, both need support to survive. Uh, The housing situation, there are people who are three years removed from their house burning down, and they haven't even started construction yet because issues with insurance companies Egger said even the school has had to fight with its insurance company over the full cost of rebuilding. Part of that is due to what many across the state are seeing with escalating construction costs, building codes, and the impact of COVID-19 on the supply chain. We have had to fight the larger insurance company for every cent. It's just been 
so hard to get them to agree to rebuild what was here. That has been a huge struggle. And in fairness to the insurance company, the replacement of the houses was four times what it should have cost to rebuild. We have to follow the state rules. We have to do prevailing wage, all the school construction building codes. We had to meet all of those. And then imagine that in an area where everybody's trying to rebuild. Eggers says that the mental health of his students is a big concern for him. They've been through a lot, and there's a lot of trauma. I've had two different students who've come and said they see smoke when it's a prescribed burn, and they get very worried. I mean, to the point where you you can see that um, their level of concern skyrockets, so it's really hard to focus on school. Uh, kids are very aware of what's going on more than in other districts I've been in before. We've, we've had our road closed multiple times this year based on landslides and snowfall. And it does really impact the kids. Just, you know, their mental well-being has been greatly affected. And Eggers says that delays and repairs at Big Creek Elementary caused by red tape have added to the problem. When I showed up here two years ago, our playground had been used as a staging area. So our kids were basically playing on dirt and rocks because it had been torn up. We're on a granite outcrop in the middle of a canyon. It's really kind of what our town is built on. They're playing on rocks and dirt. That Literally, that's what they were playing on. We just were able to, this fall, um, get grass brought in because of a water curtailment through the state of California for a drought. So it's been a huge journey. We had to have a state senator come support us uh, to talk to the California Water Board to get a waiver just so our kids would have a playground and grass to play on. And that took over a year just to be able to get the water rights to have a grass field for kids to play on. So it's been an incredible journey just getting that back for the mindset of the kids. They've also boosted access to counselors for students. We are offering supports to them. So we do have some counseling available. Uh, we've added time with a school psychologist. We have a specific counselor. We're actually writing grants to even get more counseling because it is needed. But Eggers adds that it's not easy as a remote district to get counselors who live out of the area to serve their small community. The school is an hour and a half away from Fresno where many of the special needs specialists and social-emotional counselors live. They may only spend half a day at the school, yet they aren't paid for their time driving to and from the area. My social-emotional counselor, you know, she's worried that they're going to pull her time because she doesn't get credit for time driving up or driving back. We clearly need the social-emotional support, but they're not going to credit her her drive time. And unfortunately, Due to delays in rebuilding homes and a lack of affordable housing, it's hard to attract potential school staff to Big Creek. Carolyn, one thing uh, that Jimmy mentioned is that it's, it's tough to find people who even want to come to these areas because of the housing issue. You know, finding counselors to come up from Fresno can be very difficult. Um, what do you think the state needs to do or, or perhaps uh, the education department to, to help these school districts? 
Well, what these smaller rural districts are asking for is help with some really practical things like trailers, places where people can live, um, at least temporarily. There's an immediate need for trailers in a lot of these places. Some of them had trailers before the fire, and now they're just trying to get more trailers because sometimes rebuilding just takes too long. But a trailer, you can put someone in right away. And they're asking for the state to send mental health professionals to these places to help not just kids, but, you know, the kids' parents, their family members, staff members who might have lost their homes, um, at least at least temporarily, um, at least to kind of get them through the first couple of months after the fire. Despite the enormous set of challenges Big Creek Elementary and other schools like it face, the rural location and small size mean it's often invisible to the state. We have a lot of people with connections who want to see this place succeed. The struggles are, we're removed from the state. We have between 24 and 50 kids. We're not a high priority. We're considered a basic aid, but we're, which means we get more than what the allocation from the state would be but we're more of a poor basic aid, so it's not that much more. And when you think of a small school, you know, we're not that important on the radar of our state officials. And, and I hate to say that, but yeah, when, when you have Fresno down the way with 80-something thousand students and we have 30, who are you addressing more? Egger says that in general, the state should treat small rural communities like Big Creek differently than urban areas because they face their own unique challenges. And that's especially true when trying to mitigate the impacts of a disaster like the Creek Fire. We have a one-size-fits-all model instead of saying, hey, for our small districts, here's what we're going to do for you. For our big districts, here's what we're going to do for you. And I'm not saying what they're doing is bad. What I'm saying is we should be treated differently and, you know, we've got some really good people at CDE who are trying really hard, but the voices have to get to the legislature who are making the law saying, let's look at this differently. They're also asking for help with paperwork. I mean, I think the amount of emails and paperwork that these schools get after a fire is just completely overwhelming for a superintendent who also might be the math teacher. <laughs> who has a million other things to do, who's trying to help families find a place to live, who's trying to help kids who've lost their homes. Take, for example, Jimmy's experience with the Local Control and Accountability Plan, more commonly called the LCAP, which is a multi-year plan districts develop to detail goals for student achievement. I write a 60-page LCAP. I have 30 kids. I could give you an individual education plan for each kid and give you better detail on every single point for every single kid in less time, in less pages, and I can be much clearer, but the state wants small single district school districts to write this huge plan. In my conversation with Eggers, one thing he made clear is that despite the lack of housing, surviving a pandemic, wildfires, mudslides, and record snow, the Big Creek community has rallied around one another. Retired teachers, administrators, and volunteers have helped rebuild the school, tutor, and help students. We're very fortunate that we have an amazing community. For those people who've been a part of it, most people will, will flat out tell you, oh, I know that place. This place is great. It really is. We have worked very hard to rebuild, and I will say that it is a community effort. 
the people here, the board, the staff, and then the volunteers. And I can't stress that enough. The volunteers who have come up to help this community. There are just amazing people here who are still part of this town. Uh, that's where we do want the support. We want the support from our state legislature. We need that for our community members and our school. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Education Beat, Getting to the Heart of California Schools, a production of EdSource. You can find Carolyn's story at edsource.org. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Our CEO is Ann Vasquez. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by the California Endowment. I'm Ashley A. Smith, sitting in for Zadie Stavely. Join us next week and subscribe so you won't miss an episode.